So welcome everybody. Welcome to a lecture sponsored by the Institute of World Politics on the MENA region, May 2022. For those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs. We offer a doctoral program, seven master's degree programs, including two online MAs, and 18 certificates of graduate study. If you are interested in learning more about us, please feel welcome to speak to one of our staff members at the conclusion of this event or visit iwp.edu. To support the work of IWP, please visit iwp.edu slash donate. Today, we will be hearing from Dr. Norman Bailey, who will deliver a lecture entitled The MENA Region in May 2022, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Dr. Bailey is an adjunct professor of economics and national security at the Institute of World Politics and a professor of economic statecraft at the Galilee International Management Institute. Dr. Bailey was a senior staff member of the National Security Council during the Reagan administration and of the office of the director of national intelligence during George W. Bush administration. Please welcome Dr. Bailey. Thank you very much. I'm sorry for the delays. Um, this is supposed to be the first of a uh, series of uh, monthly talks about uh, the MENA region, uh, Middle East and North Africa. Uh, skipping all preliminaries, I will go directly into uh, my talk today. Um, I'm going to start with a general description of the MENA region from different standpoints. The MENA region consists of 20 countries from Morocco on the west to Iran and Afghanistan on the east. The countries known as the Maghreb, bordering the Atlantic Ocean and Mediterranean in Northern Africa are Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and Libya. Most of Egypt is geographically in Africa, but ge geopolitically, it is in the Middle East. The rest of the Middle Eastern countries are Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey. Sometimes that set of countries is called the Levant or the Near East. Iraq, and the countries of the, the Saudi uh, Peninsula, Saudi Arabia, Yemen in the uh, Southwest, uh, and the Gulf states of going from North to South, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, and Oman. And then moving to the far east of the um, MENA region, Iran and Afghanistan. Afghanistan is sometimes um, uh, categorized as being in uh, South Asia. And of course it does um, uh, inter interact often and, and frequently with uh, with Pakistan, but it also interacts with the countries of the Middle East, so I'm including it. 16 of the 20 MENA countries are predominantly Arab in population. Two are predominantly Turkic, that is Turkey itself and Afghanistan. One, Iran, is predominantly Persian, about a little over half the population is Persian. Uh, the rest of the population are various minorities. And one, Israel is predominantly Jewish. Eight of the MENA countries are traditional monarchies, including Morocco, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, the UAE, 
and Oman. Four are failed states, Libya, Syria, Lebanon, and Yemen. These are countries that are at this point countries in name only because they are all battlegrounds and there is no true functioning central government. Three are civilian or military dictatorships, Algeria, Egypt, and Turkey. Three are partial or full democracies, Tunisia, where the Arab Spring began this many years ago, uh, is uh, where democracy seemed to have been flourishing and just about the only of the countries where it was flourishing for a while uh, is now in grave danger. Uh, Iraq, uh, which has a semi-functioning democratic system and Israel, which is a democratic country. And two of the countries are religious dictatorships, Iran and Afghanistan. There are about 564 million people in the MENA region. All of the figures, incidentally, are approximations. The ethnic makeup of the MENA region is as follows. Arabs, about 380 million, or approximately two-thirds of the total. Turkic peoples, 120 million, or about 25, a quarter of the people. Persians, 45 million. Jews, seven and a half million, and others, including Indians, Pakistanis, Filipinos, Kurds, Berbers, and most and, and uh, uh, others, uh, about ten to fifteen million. In terms of religion, the breakdown is Sunni Muslim, four hundred and twenty million, Shia Muslim, one hundred and ten million, and twenty-five million others. Jews, especially in Israel, Christians, especially in Egypt, and others, especially in the Gulf states, which have large populations of immigrants from particularly South Asia and the Pacific, uh, most particularly from India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and the Philippines. In military terms, the most powerful country in the Middle East is Israel which despite its size, has a superbly equipped and trained army and air force and a growing submarine fleet. Most significantly, Israel has the only nuclear weapons in the MENA region. Of the other MENA countries, only Iran has the potential to produce nuclear weapons and is close to doing so. In historical terms, this is the region of the world where the great ancient empires of the Egyptians, Assyrians, and Babylonians were centered, and which formed a significant portion of the Roman Empire, as well as the heartland of the East Roman, later Byzantine Empire. It was also the primary locus of the Arabian and Ottoman Empires. Since the collapse of the Ottomans, Britain has been plagued with constant instability. Interstate wars, civil wars, insurrections, coup d'etat, and revolutions. It has in recent decades also become the primary locus of many of the largest and most effective terrorist movements in the world, such as Al-Qaeda, ISIS or Islamic State, Hamas, 
Hezbollah, and Islamic Jihad, among others. Despite the immense riches derived from oil and gas exploitation, the MENA region has not been able to achieve a minimum of social, political, or economic stability. This is the region of the world we are going to be discussing today and in subsequent sessions. I'll pause now in case there are any questions or comments about what I've, the description of the MENA region. Jocelyn, are there any comments? Any questions? Apparently not. Okay. In this series of talks, we will be covering the following topics. Not necessarily in this order because it will depend obviously to some extent happened in the preceding month and that may change uh, our priorities. And this is what I call in the title of the talk, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Abraham Accords, which is one of the very few good elements, the agreements of mutual recognition between Israel and three of the Arab countries, Bahrain, the, uh, the United Arab Emirates, and Morocco. The role of the US, mutual fear of Iran, and the desire of the Arab countries to diversify into high tech, I explained uh, this uh, development. And we will be talking about what this means for the world, for the Middle East, for the United States, and for the United States. Secondly, intra-regional conflict. Conflicts between Morocco and Algeria over the Western Sahara region. Conflict between Iran, the Gulf states, and Israel. Iran is attempting to increase its, its, uh, its influence and its control over what is called the Northern Arc of the Middle East, including um, Iraq, uh, Syria, and Lebanon, from Iran itself to the Mediterranean, and puts, puts it in conflict with the Gulf states and with Israel. Turkey and Iran in Syria, which are now uh, competing for influence in Syria, along with Russia. Qatar and the support and its support of terrorist groups, which has been going on for a long time, resulting in a boycott by the other Gulf state countries, or some of them, uh, which was lifted uh, not long ago. Uh, and uh, Jordan and Israel. Um, and of course, Iran and Israel. Internal conflicts, Turkey and the Kurds, Israel and the Palestinians, Syria, Iran and its minorities, Lebanon, Yemen, and Libya. These are countries which are to one degree or another in a situation of domestic widespread conflict. And these, these are, are going to uh, and are affecting uh, the countries themselves. As I say, four of the, of the MENA countries are in effect failed states. Uh, and um, and uh, they affect uh, also 
uh, their uh, neighbors. The great powers and MENA. Influence to the US is in decline and has been for some time. The influence of Russia since the outbreak of the Ukraine, the Russo-Ukraine war is in decline. The influence of Iran, if it's not a great power, but is certainly an important medium, middle power, is increasing because of these other developments. But particularly in terms of the great powers, the influence of China, particularly economic and cultural, is increasing uh, very rapidly and to a very large extent. The role of religion. As I mentioned, Iran and Afghanistan are religious dictatorships. And recently, because of the disastrous uh, evacuation by the United States and the collapse of the Afghan government, the Taliban is now in control of Afghanistan again. However, it has internal conflicts of major significance, uh, some remnants of the military of the previous government are in open rebellion against the Taliban. And it has also problems with ISIS, which is attempting to take control of Afghanistan away from the Taliban. Uh, the role of religion includes also uh, the large Christian minority in Egypt. Uh, no one knows exactly how many there are, but uh, uh, there are certainly uh, at least uh, 10 million out of the 100 million people in, in Egypt. Egypt is incidentally the, uh, the most populated of the MENA countries. And uh, Turkey and Iran uh, both have about 84 million people and are, are the, the second rank of, of, of size in population in the MENA region. The role of terrorist groups. These are categorized in various ways. There are regional groups. The Muslim Brotherhood, which has been around for a long time and exists in almost all of the primarily Arab countries. Al-Qaeda, which as we all know, did not disappear despite being defeated in Syria. Uh, and uh, it is still active throughout the, the Middle East. ISIS or Islamic State, which is, was also defeated and its uh, caliphate was, uh, was taken over, but it also continues to exist throughout the region and is, is in direct conflict at the present time with the Taliban to control Afghanistan. Then we have more local groups, the Taliban in Afghanistan, Hezbollah, which effectively controls Lebanon, even though they lost the recent election. That may not mean much of anything because they have the weapons uh, and which is, a, is, is a allied with uh, Iran. Iran supports Hezbollah. Uh, it has supplied Hezbollah with thousands and thousands of uh, rockets and missiles and um, uh, with uh, financial support. Uh, and it is a definitely a threat. Uh, it controls Lebanon for all practical purposes, definitely a threat, constant threat to Israel. Hamas, which controls the Gaza Strip between Israel and Egypt, and which is also a threat to Israel. 
and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which also exists in the Gaza Strip and which also is a threat to Israel. Now, I want to mention uh, that I am entirely open to suggestions for topics other than these, which any of you may have uh, to suggest. And uh, I certainly look forward to any suggestions from you. Um, and at this point, in terms of uh, what I've said for, so far, are there any comments or questions? Yes, there is one question in the Q&A. The question is, how do you see minorities like Indian workers in the Gulf establishing their own political power spheres, knowing that they are the main working arm? I'm sorry, would you repeat that question? Yes, the question is, how do you see minorities like Indian workers in the Gulf establishing their own political power spheres, knowing that they are the main working arm? Oh, I, I, I have seen no indication of any such development in the, in the Gulf states. It's very true that the, there is a large, in fact, um, immigrants are the majority in most of the Gulf states, uh, particularly in the United Arab Emirates and in Qatar and in, in Bahrain. And uh, to, there are also a substantial part of the population in Kuwait and um, less, less so in Oman. But I've seen no indication at all uh, that uh, the, uh, the Indians or the Pakistanis uh, in uh, the Gulf states are developing um, any kind of uh, uh, political movement uh, of, of, of any kind. Um, I might say, incidentally, that uh, uh, there is absolute political, uh, I mean, absolute religious freedom uh, in, um, in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, in, in Qatar and, and in Bahrain, uh, where um, you, you have Muslim temples and you have Christian churches and you have Jewish synagogues and, and so on and so forth. So there is not a religious problem uh, throughout that area. Are there any other questions or, or comments? That's the only question for right now. Okay. <clears throat> that being the case. Oh, sorry, someone just asked something in the chat. Um, this question is, what about Iraq's situation since Iraq has faced a challenge between two groups of Shia? Yes, well, there are uh, many, many different political movements and groups in Iraq. Uh, it does have a functioning central government, however, which is in, in Libya or in, 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 uh, in Lebanon. But there, there, there is a functioning government and it is semi-democratic, that is, elections seem to be pretty fair and, and uh, they, uh, uh, the results are respected and so on. Uh, but there are many armed groups in, uh, in Iraq. Of course, in the north, you have the Kurdish autonomous region and the Kurds are a very important element. There are two population groups in the MENA region that have no state of their own. One are the Kurds. And uh, how many Kurds there are is, is a matter of controversy, but there's certainly uh, at least 12 to 15 million in Iraq, in Turkey itself, in, uh, in, and in Syria. Um, and they, in Iraq, they have an autonomous region in the far north of, of the country. 
uh, but in the rest of the country and uh, in, in Iraq is a majority Muslim Shiite country. And of course, the, 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 uh, relig the religion of Islam is divided into two segments. And uh, this is, um, of course, um, uh, the, the Sunni Muslims and the uh, Shiite Muslims. And um, the, they, they have been in conflict and, and, uh, for, for centuries. Uh, and uh, they uh, basically hate each other. Uh, and um, they, the Shia are a, are a majority in Iran and in Iraq. Those are the uh, only two uh, Arab countries where the Shia are a majority. They are a substantial minority in other countries such as Syria and Lebanon. Uh, at any rate, uh, the um, Shia in Iraq are divided into two segments, and this is what the question was about. Um, uh, the the one, one I might call the nationalist Shia, that is the ones whose priority is the national interest of Iraq itself, and uh, the uh, Iranian-controlled Shia groups, uh, which are uh, uh, following uh, and uh, promoting the interests of Iran, trying to uh, control uh, Iraq and and create this northern arc of of Iranian influence uh, in uh, in the Middle East. Uh, so uh, right now, uh, although the the Iranian-controlled Shia groups have and uh, until recently been in a substantial majority, uh, now the nationalist Shia groups are becoming more and more significant. And there is in fact a significant conflict between the two groups of Shia Muslims in, um, in Iraq. I think there's another question or a comment. It's not a, yeah, it's a comment. It says the Shia minorities in Gulf estates like Biran and Arabia. The Shia minority? Yeah, minorities, yes, but there is no question. It's just a um, statement. Yes, well, there is a substantial uh, Shia minority in Kuwait, and actually the Shia Muslims are a majority in Bahrain, although they do not control the government. Uh, following the Arab Spring, the, the Shia in Bahrain uh, attempted to overthrow the government, and uh, they failed because uh, the Saudis intervened uh, militarily and uh, put down the, the rebellion and the, 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 the Sunni uh, monarchy uh, maintained its uh, control over the country uh, through uh, the, the Saudi intervention. Uh, but yes, there are a substantial uh, Shia minorities and, or Shia majority in the case of Bahrain, but also in the case of uh, Kuwait. There is incidentally also an important uh, Shia Muslim tribe in uh, in Afghanistan, the uh, Hazaras, and um, uh, they they are have under all if Afghan governments, pre-Taliban, Taliban, post-Taliban, post and now Taliban again, they are uh, persecuted by uh, by the central government of Afghanistan. We have one participant who has raised their hand. 
Um, I'll allow them to talk. If you could please introduce yourself. Thank you so much. It's such a, a great opportunity for me to attend this lecture. My name is Hiba Abdul Wahab, and I am a master's student at Virginia Tech University School of Public and International Affairs, interesting in militias group in Iraq and Lebanon and a proxy war right now in the Middle East. So Iraq right now facing a big challenge to, uh, to the second um, election, which is the presidency. So right now in Iraq, there is a huge gap between Muqtad al-Sadr and between uh, the group of militias supported by Iran, which is Kada'ib Hezbollah and Asa'ib Ahl al-Haq. And it, it just like there are two groups right now, and Iraq is really facing um, a challenge right now. Some voices said it's a great opportunity for Muqtada al-Sadr to uh, allies or to make a ties with his allies in uh, GCC and with the United States, supporting with the United States to defeat this um, uh, the, the, you know, the militias were supported between, it's supported from uh, Iran, which is Kata'ab Hezbollah and Asa'ab Ahl al-Haq. What's your insight about the near future of this challenge in Iraq? In, in uh, you're talking about Hezbollah in, in uh, Lebanon? No, in Iraq, because there is some part of Hezbollah in Lebanon also, Kata'ib Hezbollah, and in Iraq, sorry. There is some part of Kata'ib Hezbollah in Iraq. They have a branch in Iraq with the leader of Qais al-Khazali. Yes, well, uh, all of these groups uh, have uh, um, supporters and uh, they raise money and they, 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 Participate in the in the political and the, the uh, life of the countries and so on and so forth. Uh, Hezbollah in in uh, Iraq, in fact, Hezbollah in, in any country other than Lebanon, mm -hmm. and Syria, and southern Syria, is not an important element. Um, in Iraq, the important players are the Kurds, uh, the uh, the Shia Muslims, uh, the Sunni Muslims, particularly in the west. Uh, and um, and uh, the Shia are are divided, as I as I uh, mentioned yes. in in uh, response to another another question. These are the important forces. Uh, but Al Qaeda is active. Um, uh, ISIS is active. Uh, they yes, the the uh, terrorist groups uh, uh, are active throughout the region. But of course, they are more important. Each one has its. It's, it's area of, of primary support. And uh, the Hezbollah is, is very important in Lebanon and in Southern Syria. Uh, it is uh, not important really in the, in the rest of the region. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, any other questions or comments? No, not right. Oh, actually there, is so there's another um, comment from the same person. Please revise Magherb population distribution, 100 million perbers. I mean, bebers. 100 million what? Um, if you click the Q&A button at the bottom, you probably could see it better than me, but it says Berbers. Yes, uh, yes. Berbers. Um, 
there, as I as I mentioned, there are the the largest stateless groups in in the MENA region are the Berbers of North Africa, who are the descendants of the original inhabitants of the region when the Arabs conquered it in the seventh eighth century CE, and the Kurds of Turkey, Iraq, Iran, and Syria. Um, the Berbers uh, to uh, who occupy um, the more the desert parts of the southern Maghreb, as well as some of the highlands, um, are fairly well integrated uh, into uh, Muslim society uh, in, in the Maghreb countries. That's happened within the last 25 or 30 years, where the, the Berbers have been, um, the, 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 the Arabs, have been trying to bring the Berbers into the uh, social and political and cultural life of the, of the country. Now, there was, there was the attempt, of course, of establishing a Berber state uh, in the Western Sahara, uh, the so-called Western Sahara. Uh, this is a region which was, it's just south of Morocco and borders on Mauritania and, and uh, Algeria. Uh, it was a Spanish colony uh, when the uh, Spanish left uh, the uh, uh, colony in the 1970s, uh, Morocco annexed it or proclaimed it was annexing this territory. And then there was a, an insurgency of the, the people who lived there, primarily Berbers. And um, uh, so they've been fighting ever since. And this is now called the Western Sahara. And it's it's one of the uh, important uh, conflicts, what is probably the most important interstate conflict in uh, in the Maghreb region, uh, because it is is it causes constant conflict between Algeria and Morocco, and this is something that uh, the that the West is to a very large extent ignoring, and recently there was an armed clash between Algerian and Moroccan forces on on the border, uh, and this. Uh, did not appear in the media uh, very much at all. Uh, and yet it is potentially a very serious uh, uh, problem uh, and uh, could destabilize the whole region. And it, you have here, you have a uh, moderate um, monarchy, traditional monarchy in Morocco with a, with a good deal of civil liberties and the religious liberty and so on and so forth. Uh, it is it is an authoritarian state, but it has a legislature and uh, uh, it's a relatively tolerant. It's one of the only two Arab countries that was never controlled by the Ottoman Turks. Uh, the other one being at the opposite end of the Arab world, uh, the uh, Sultanate of Oman. Uh, and uh, therefore it uh, continued uh, its uh, independent uh, existence and development and, um, uh, and was uh, a French protectorate for a considerable period of time. Uh, every educated person in, in Morocco speaks French. Uh, it, it has a, uh, a flourishing um, economy. And yet on the other hand, you have Algeria, which is a, uh, a military dictatorship and is um, um, a completely authoritarian country. No, no civil liberties uh, at all, uh, and uh, 
it, it, it's, uh, it is extremely uh, hostile, um, not only to, uh, to Morocco, its neighbor, but also to, uh, incidentally, to, to Israel, and very much opposes all these uh, Abraham Accords that have been uh, signed between Israel and some of the other Arab countries. So you have a, a very serious uh, situation there. But with the rest of the, the Maghreb, uh, the Berbers are becoming more and more integrated. It's not really a problem. And there, is, there isn't an independence movement as there is in the case of the Kurds uh, in um, uh, Turkey, uh, Iran, Iraq, and in Syria. There is another question. How are Shias treated in Saudi? Pardon? The next question is, how are Shias treated in Saudi? In where? Saudi. Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, they just put Saudi. Uh, they, they, there, there is a Shia area, uh, which is predominantly Shia in, in, on the coast of the, of the, um, of the Gulf. Uh, which also happens to be one of the biggest areas of oil exploration. And um, uh, they have traditionally the Saudi government, uh, which is of course the center of the Sunni world with Mecca and Medina and so on, uh, has, has uh, repressed uh, uh, the Shia of, uh, of uh, the, uh, the uh, Gulf Coast as, as Iran on the other hand has repressed the Arabs uh, who uh, exist on the Gulf Coast of, of Iran. Uh, so you have uh, some uh, situation here of uh, of uh, uh, very serious uh, um, problems in both uh, Saudi Arabia and in Iran with reference to these um, minorities. Uh, the Shia, to make uh, to not to make a big point of it, the Shia in Saudi Arabia are not treated well. They are um, the last, repressed a minority. And the last question for right now is, how do you see the power of Houthis in Yemen? Will they gain more and take over the whole Yemen? Also, what is Israel's interest in Yemen in medium to long term, if you may enlighten us? Okay, the, the situation in Yemen is extremely complex. Um, the, the Houthis, who control a very large part of Yemen, uh, and, and who overthrew, in effect, the, the government of the country um, are, in, are supported by Iran. They are Shia. Uh, they're supported by Iran. Uh, they are opposed by Saudi Arabia and uh, the UAE. Uh, there's been constant warfare going on. There have been attempts to um, uh, have some kind of peace conference or, or to uh, resolve the situation, have a truce of one kind or another. Uh, nothing has uh, succeeded so far. Uh, so uh, we, we have uh, a situation uh, where we, you have uh, a, uh, a definite uh, um, uh, sore, uh, you might put it as a failed state, and it, it is a threat to its neighbors, uh, definitely both Saudi Arabia and to a lesser extent Oman. Um, and it, it is obviously uh, uh, exploited by Iran to create trouble for, for Saudi Arabia to 
uh, to surround Saudi Arabia, in effect, uh, from both sides, from from Iran itself through Iraq and and from uh, the southwest in, in 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 Yemen. I don't see any likely resolution uh, in in uh, in the near or even the medium term future. Any other questions? Yes, the last question is, recently reports have been coming from Sudan had mentioned the root causes for the civil war from Darfur are back between Arab versus non-Arab tribes. Can the US play a role in it once, like it once did 15 years ago? The answer is yes, it can, but it's the wrong question. The right question is, will it? And for that, we have to try to determine what is American policy towards the Middle East at this point? It's, it's, it's very, very unclear. Both uh, the Trump administration and the uh, Biden administration attempted to um, leave the Middle East to, to and, and the Biden administration, of course, evacuated Afghanistan in a disastrous uh, evacuation. Uh, there's no doubt that the, that the influence of the United States has, has waned tremendously in the Middle East, although it, 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 in terms of uh, the effects, one of the effects of the Russo-Ukrainian war is that uh, the prestige of the United States has increased somewhat uh, in the Middle East because they see the effective uh, support of the United States for uh, Ukraine in that war. Uh, but it's it's definitely so. Could the United States uh, be effective and so on? Yes, but it has to make that decision. It has to make a policy decision that it's coming back into the Middle East uh, as a major uh, element, uh, which it, it is not at the present time, except of course with reference to its its uh, relationship with Israel. Okay, let me just say, make a, uh, I, I, we've come to the end of the, of the questions and comments. Yes. Okay, let me then just use the last few minutes uh, for, to talk about the effect of the Russo-Ukrainian war on the Middle East. First of all, you have the effect uh, that is true throughout the world as a result of this war, and that is shortages, particularly of grains, and uh, inflationary pressures. You have these throughout the Middle East. It's very significant uh, in, for instance, in Egypt, uh, where the grain supply is extremely important, uh, but also elsewhere in the Middle East. And uh, the inflationary pressures are uh, significant also. Uh, on the other hand, you have the uh, increased importance of Middle East gas. Uh, as a result of uh, uh, the sanctions on, on Russia. Uh, and the European countries particularly are going to be looking for alternative sources. And they've even been, and the US also has even been approaching, has been even approaching Iran about uh, uh, the possibility of uh, 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 their increasing their, their oil supply and gas supply. Uh, and uh, the Israeli uh, uh, and uh, gas and uh, Cyprus also has gas 
uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean and in the Egyptian fields also uh, have an enormous opportunity now uh, to uh, start to replace uh, Russian uh, natural gas supplies uh, in Europe and uh, are actively pursuing that, uh, uh, that uh, alternative. Uh, but this is also increasing, increasing uh, the, the uh, significance of uh, the financial significance of uh, the uh, uh, current oil and gas exports from, uh, from the Middle East, which is, is a counteraction to the, the shortages and, and the inflationary pressures. Uh, as far as outside influence is concerned, uh, the Russians have lost great reputation and influence in the Middle East uh, because everybody loves a winner. And it looks at this point like the Russians, instead of marching into Kiev in 36 hours, uh, are, may actually um, lose, quote unquote, the war, whatever that means. Uh, but they certainly have uh, demonstrated a very, very uh, significant uh, problems with reference, reference to their military uh, capabilities and forces and so on and so forth. And this has reduced their influence in, in Syria, particularly uh, and where they have a naval and air base. And uh, it's a problem for Israel because of uh, Israel wanting to bomb uh, uh, Iranian uh, facilities in, in Syria and had a, an agreement with the Russians uh, not to interfere with uh, Israeli uh, attacks, and now uh, they've been, by international pressures, they've been forced to uh, to take a strong anti-Russian stand, and that can be a problem for Israel. In uh, the, uh, the the Turks are are increasing their activities in in Syria, uh, trying to replace um, and the uh, the Russian influence, and are in conflict with Iran uh, in that respect. And uh, all of this is, is increasing uh, the uh, influence of, uh, of China in, in the entire region uh, from all kinds of different standpoints. Uh, if there's no, um, I think at this point, uh, we, I'm sorry that everything started so late and all that, but um, at any rate, uh, I hope to see you all plus many others uh, in future. Um, and uh, can you kindly share the video recording, post the event, and also share? The, okay, well, that's not to me. That's <laughs> uh, that's for uh, for the uh, the people at the uh, at the institute. Uh, so let me at, at this point uh, thank everybody and uh, uh, see you next time. Yes, I would like to thank you too, Dr. Bailey and everyone for your patience for earlier. We will share this video. It'll be on our Facebook page, which is the Institute of World Politics. And it'll also be on our website at iwp.edu. Um, thank you again to everybody for joining and please have a nice day.